Hey, Lake Point, it's great to be back with you, and I want to thank you so much for having me again. A lot has happened at Real Life, and a lot has happened in Austin since I saw you in December. Uh, one of the things that God has done is allowed our church to launch our second campus, which is in South Austin, in Hayes County, which right now, Hayes County alone is the second fastest growing county in America. Uh, we were able to, to launch there just a few weeks ago in Doster Middle School. We set up in this school, and, and you know, it was the first time a church had ever had this space in a 35-year-old uh, school, and you're ready for this, Lake Point. Just a few weeks ago, over 400 people packed into this gym, 11 Decisions for Christ on opening day just a few weeks ago. So we give God... Praise for that. I want you to know if you just applauded, you were really applauding yourself because our partnership is doing this. You guys, your investment in us has been so crucial for us and this strategic uh, planning that your pastor has allowed us uh, to be in to look at these locations and I wanna thank you. Uh, we're reaching Austin. Uh, now, Lake Point, you know that Austin's weird, right? You've heard this? Let me, let me tell you one of the big reasons why it is, is because over 1.2 million people in Austin don't go to church. It's the most unchurched city in Texas. It's one of the top 10 most unchurched cities in America. On top of that, 150 people are moving to Austin every day. It's the second fastest growing city in our nation right now, and that means a church is literally moving in about every week. And I'm so uh, humbled to see what God's doing in our partnership and so thankful for you guys as a church. So keep praying for Austin. We believe we're gonna change Austin and if we can change Austin, we can change the world. Uh, let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James. James chapter three. And I wanna talk for a few moments today about a topic that impacts all of us. We're all affected by this. I wanna talk about words. Specifically how powerful words are in our relationships, uh, to realize that words literally are the fuel that our relationships run on. It's how relationships work. Without communication, uh, it just doesn't work. Uh, let me just make sure you guys remember back when fuel prices were like this. Remember back then? What was that, like last month? <laughs> you know, uh, Our cars need fuel, we don't think about it, but we've got this commodity that, that cars run on. We don't think a lot about words, but without words, we don't have relationships, and words are a priceless commodity that make relationships work. And without words, relationships can stall out. Uh, somebody who knew I was a Cowboys fan sent this to me recently. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys car always seems to run out of gas in December. Ha, 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 it's not, it's not very nice to send to a Cowboys fan. It's true, but we did make it to January this year, didn't we? Okay, come on, you know, but, but, but cars stall out. You say, uh, Micah, what's the point? Well, the Cowboys, that's a whole nother sermon, but, but the point is this, no matter how nice your car looks, without gas, it's not going to work. No matter how nice your relationships look, people may think you have a great marriage, a great friendship, you're a great parent, but behind closed doors and behind the scenes, if there's not the right fuel, not the right words, relationships are going to stall out. That's why we need to talk about this, don't we? I was reading this week some statistics that were not very encouraging. 55% of wives in America today say, I don't like how my husband talks to me. Words. 86% of people who got divorced last year say the number one reason they got that divorce is because we can't communicate. 
The one that breaks my heart the most, though, is that 25%, that's one out of four teenagers, say, I've never had a significant conversation with my dad. Words. You see, words were a challenge back in New Testament times as James writes this, and I hope you turn to James chapter three and already have your place there. If you don't have a Bible, I hope you're gonna look on the back of your worship folder. There's the passage so you can follow along with us. But, but James, remember, he was the half-brother of Jesus, became a, a follower of Christ when he met the resurrected Lord. And not only did he become a follower, James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and he's saying, listen, words are an issue for us. They're powerful, we need to talk about them. And I want you to notice that in James chapter three, he spends most of the chapter talking about words because they're so powerful. But they needed it in that day, we need it in our day, and let's dive in together into this passage. James chapter three, this will start in verse one. It says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now let's just stop here because uh, James is starting to talk about teachers and pastors. You say, Michael, why is he picking on teachers and pastors? Well, because teachers use a lot of words, don't they? I mean, if you're in school right now, teachers just talk and talk and talk. Why, why, why will you ever be, I need to leave. You know, teachers, you know, just think about it. What's happening right now? I'm talking to you, you're sitting there listening. One of the reasons why he's talking to teachers, he's saying, listen, you use more words than most people. And because of that, you're gonna be held accountable. Why? Because words are so powerful, they influence people for good or for bad, toward God or toward evil, and you're gonna be held accountable for those words. And I know what you're thinking already. You're like, Micah, I'm so glad you're up there and not me. You good luck with that verse right there, you know? I'm glad I'm not a pastor. I'm glad I'm not a teacher. Well, look at what Jesus says. Let me put this verse on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 12 Verse 36, Jesus said to all of his followers, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Now Jesus has all of our attention, doesn't he? Did you know that? You're gonna give an account for every word. Every word you have ever said to your spouse, every word you've ever said to your kids, every word you've ever said to your parents, every text, every tweet, every blog post, everything you've posted on Facebook, everything we've ever said with words, every letter we've written, we'll give an account to God. So why is Jesus making such a big deal about words? Because words are powerful and they matter. They're that essential. So James has our attention here, but let's look at the next verse, verse two. He says, here's the reality. Indeed, notice the next five words, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, control our words, listen, we'd be perfect and we could control ourselves in every other way. James is making it clear. We've all messed up here. We've all made mistakes. Here's what I want you to do right now, Lake Point. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all make mistakes. Just tell them we all make mistakes. It's gonna feel better when you do that. Yeah. Some of you made mistakes on the way here today, okay? Just in the conversations in the car, trying to find a parking place to get in. Words are powerful. We all make mistakes. Now, this verse doesn't get us off the hook it just puts us in the same boat. You've made mistakes, I've made mistakes, the person next to you's made mistakes, we've all blown it. And later on in the message, I wanna talk about how Jesus is gonna help us take the judgment that we deserve for our mess ups and our mistakes and brings grace to that. But for now, I just want us to realize we all need this message. Words are powerful. 
And James is gonna unpack this by giving us some illustrations. So let's look at uh, the next verse. So he's cleared this up that we've all messed up in our relationships with words. And he's gonna give two positive illustrations and one negative one. Here's the verse three. He says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want it by means of a small bit in its mouth. In other words, a small mechanism controls a large animal. And then here's another illustration, a small rudder. If you're in your Bibles or looking at your notes, just circle those two words, small rudder makes a huge boat, this massive ship, turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. He says like a small rudder tells a boat where to go. And now most of you maybe, you haven't seen a rudder lately. I know I haven't, uh, let me show it to you real quick. I want you to notice just how small this mechanism is. And typically you don't even see a rudder, it just happens that this boat is going through a channel so you can just see how, in relationship to the size of the boat, look how small that rudder is. James says that rudder is telling that boat where to go. And usually, just like words, that rudder is even hidden where you can't even see the impact, but it's guiding. Every person listening to me has a story. Has a story about how someone said something. And they didn't think it was a big deal. They said something to you in passing. Maybe it was a parent, maybe a mentor, maybe a friend. But those words actually encouraged you like a rudder to go in God's direction. Maybe they said, hey, listen, God's not done with you yet. Turn to God. Maybe they said, listen, read your Bible. Go to church. Don't give up on God. I know you're hurting, but I'm praying for you. Whatever they said, just those small words, no big deal to them, but it pointed your life in God's direction and was a big deal in your life because their words were powerful, like a rudder. Now, that's the positive illustration. Notice the negative one in verse five. He says, in the same way, the, the tongue, our words, are, are a small thing that make grand speeches, but a, and circle this, tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. He's saying just something very small and tiny can make a huge impact. All of us have a story about that, don't we? Somebody said something. It was no big deal to them. Maybe it was someone in passing you haven't seen since. I hope it wasn't apparent, but maybe it was. Maybe it was something your kids said to you or a friend who is a so-called friend, but whatever they said, it hurt you so deeply, you still carry around that injury. It wounded you. And not only did it wound you, you haven't realized it, but that wound has caused wounds in other people's lives and the damage that that word caused you has caused other people's lives to be affected. Words are that powerful. That's why James says we need to talk about words. So what do we have so far? Well, James is saying we have a choice. Let me put it on the screen for you. You can even be a rudder in someone's life and point them in God's direction and every interaction that you have with people, your words take them one step closer to who God is and his purpose for their life. Or your words can literally be so devastating that it damages that person's life and it hurts other people as well. So if you're taking notes, I want you to actually write this down. My words are 100% my choice. My words are 100% my choice. You see, if you think about it, there's very few things in life we get to choose. We don't get to choose where we live. Our parents drag us across the country. There's a lot of things we don't get to choose. We don't even get to choose the words coming at us, what people email to us, what they tweet, what they post, what, what they text or what they say. But 100%, James is saying we are responsible for our words because we control them. We are 100% responsible for them. Now, what I want you to do if you want to get the most out of this teaching today is I want you to think about right now if I could sit down with each one of you and I ask you this question, what is a, a significant relationship in your life? What is a relationship that you would say is vital to your life? And I want you to write the name of that person just next to your notes here or just think about that name for the rest of this message. Maybe it's your spouse, 
If you're married, I hope, hope they make the list. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, a coworker. But just think of someone's name as you walk through this and realize my words are 100% my choice. So think about it. What would happen if you woke up tomorrow and you chose for your words to be a rudder in people's lives? In other words, to help them and not to hurt them because it's your choice. Words are a choice. I mean, how many of you guys have ever heard this phrase, by a show of hands, sticks and stones? will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Ever heard that? Yes. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> what planet were they on? I don't know about you guys, but, but I would much rather get punched in the face than have some of the things people have said to me, said about me, or emailed to me. Words hurt. You see, sticks and stones will, will break your bones, but words, words can break too. Words can break a husband's dreams. Words can break a child's heart. Words can break the, the wife's ability to love. Words are that powerful. And I don't think most of us, before we walked in here, have any conception or idea how powerful we are because of words. Words can be a rudder or they can be a spark. They can help or they can hurt. The, the scripture says it's like a sword that can pierce or wounds that can be healed by the words of wisdom. Think about that, your words can wound someone or your words can bind up wounds, powerful. Another way I like to say about our choices with words is we can be like gospel or we can choose gossip. Gospel and gossip work the same way. I mean, gospel, the good news about Jesus. How does it work? Well, Jesus died on a cross. He rose again three days later and he hung out with his followers for 40 days and then right before he ascended into heaven, he told the plan to a few hundred followers. Go and make disciples. Tell somebody about me, what I've done in your life, the power of grace and forgiveness, that I am alive and wanna live in them. Tell somebody the hope of heaven. You tell somebody, you say, that's the plan? A few hundred people, they don't have phones, they don't have the internet, they have no way to leverage television. Is that really gonna work? One person telling another person telling another person? Well, you're here, aren't you? I don't know if you knew this, but Texas is nowhere near Jerusalem. Somebody told somebody, told somebody else. And you know how it works? One person tells two, two turns into four, four turns into 16, 16 turns into 256, and then my math goes fuzzy. It's around somewhere 16,000 or so. Just like that, good news spreads. Did you know that's, that's why this place is gonna be packed on Easter? You're gonna tell somebody, you need to come and experience what I have and come and hear about the hope of the resurrection. That's the gospel. Now, gossip works the same way, doesn't it? I just wanna tell one person, can I tell you a secret? Don't tell anybody. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you know how you can kind of couch gossip in a very spiritual way. Can I tell you a prayer request? Shh, no one needs to know. Just one person. One person tells another person, tells three people, tells five people, tells four. Four turns into 16, 16 turns into 256. Somebody sees it, somebody posts something. Then all of a sudden it turns into a YouTube video and you have a million likes. <laughs> That's the way the world works, doesn't it? And everybody's tweeting about it and arguing about it. Words are powerful. Look at this verse on the screen, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, because scripture talks a lot about words. And Lake Point, I'm gonna ask you to read this with me. Let's say this truth together. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. Think about that, you choose every day to bring life or to kill, to bring fruit or to destroy. And it's 100% our responsibility because it's 100% our choice. Now just imagine that you woke up tomorrow morning and when you got out of the door of your apartment or house, there was a stack of cash. 
And let's just go big here. Let's say it's not $1 bills, but hundreds. It's in increments of hundreds, so this is millions of dollars. And let's just suppose you walk by this stack of cash every day this week. And when you walk out of your house, there's a million dollars you pass by, but you don't take any. You get in your car, you look at your yard, and you say, I wish my yard was better. I need some landscaping, some flowers, better grass, but I just can't afford it right now. Then the next day you wake up, you pass by this huge stack of cash, millions of dollars. You get in your car and you go to your favorite coffee shop. You see the menu, like, I would love a latte right now. Love an espresso. I need a cappuccino, but I just can't afford a cup of coffee right now. I suppose the next day you wake up and you pass by that huge stack of millions of dollars. You get in your car and you go by your favorite car lot. There you see your car. It's your favorite car. You're driving a 25-year-old car. You'd love to have that car. And you say, ah, I'd love that car, but ah, I just can't afford it right now. I could keep giving you illustrations, but this is getting ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, you're passing by all this cash. Why aren't you investing it, spending it? But think about how we live life with words. Think about how many days we go through with a stack of valuable commodity, priceless words, and we don't spend them or invest them in the relationships that we say are significant and valuable. And instead, we act like we're verbally bankrupt. And we sit around and say, well, my husband will never change. My wife's just getting worse. My kids just aren't responding to me. My friend really needs help. I hope someone helps them. And we go through life without making the choice that my words are powerful and I will use them to help others. You see, James in the rest of our passage, what he does, he says, let's make a choice. Let's decide to change and let's do something different. And I want you, as you walk through the rest of this passage with me, I want you to make one of these three choices. You may say, well, Mike, I need to make all of them. Well, that's probably true. I know I need to work on all of them as well, but focus on one and say, this week, I'm gonna focus on this. And therefore, if my words change, then the fuel for my relationship changes and I can change my relationships if I change my words. The first thing that James is gonna tell us is, write this down, be careful how I say my words. Maybe that's your choice today. And I'm gonna show you this, but maybe you say, you know what, I'm gonna be careful how I say my words. Lake Point, by a show of hands, have you ever heard this speech from your parents? Some of you gotta think way back. You're in trouble right now, but it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Has anybody ever gotten that speech? Yes. I got the speech, I've given the speech. <laughs> what are parents saying? What, what is it? It's more than words, isn't it? It's not just the words. There's something behind the words and beyond the words and that the words are couched in that's very toxic at times. Now look at what James says in chapter three, verse seven. People can tame all kinds of animals, he says, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame words. It's just, once you get going, it just gets toxic. It's restless, evil, full of deadly poison instead of fruit it's poison here and he says it just gets out of hand he's saying communication just becomes more than words I read this week that communication is only seven percent words did you know that we communicate with a lot more than just words if you don't believe me let's see if any parent has ever seen this child right here you've probably seen her lately yeah now she got a reaction but she wasn't saying anything but she really is saying a lot, isn't she? This, this girl is saying a lot, and I don't even wanna know what words are about to come out because she's already toxic. It's already out of control. It's full of deadly poison. We communicate with more than words. You see, this article said that our communication is 7% words. You say, well, what's the other part? 55% 
is just body language, just how we're communicating, the openness of, uh, of our communication. 38% is the tone of voice we are using, which you know you can change a phrase just by the tone of voice. You see, Scripture tells us this about words, and look at this verse on the screen, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but a harsh words make tempers flare. You see, we have this choice. We, we can maybe say, I'm going to choose what I say. It's going to be different. Because why? I can't, I cannot, you know, manipulate how you're going to speak to me, but I can give you a gentle answer back. Even though your answer wasn't gentle, I can respond. And how I say it, just how I say it, could change this relationship. So maybe your decision needs to be, I'm just going to work on how I say things this week. That's a great thing of truth to work on. But, but maybe you need to work on this second one. And let me show it to you by going over one page to James chapter one. Just flip over one page back to James chapter one. Let me show you this first. Key verse in James, very familiar to many of us. But this is what uh, is one of the theme verses of the book. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, some verses in the Bible just don't need any explanation, do they? What would happen if we actually lived that verse? Would your marriage look different this week? Would, you, would your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with a coworker or friend, it would absolutely change overnight. Here's, here's a second choice. Maybe you need to work on this one. This week, I'm gonna work on talking less and listening more. Maybe that's your choice. Because words are so powerful, I'm gonna use less of them, and I'm gonna listen to what's going on in your heart, how you're feeling, and what's behind the words, so I can really empathize, and my words can be more influential and powerful and helpful and like a rudder to you. You see, we don't really live in a culture of listening. Have you noticed this? We've got tweets going on top of each other. People are, a lot of people are talking, and not a lot of people are listening. It's just a part of our culture. We need to step back and listen more. I love what Will, Will Rogers decades ago said about our government. He said, I quote, that Congress is really strange. You get one man up and he's saying something and nobody's listening. And then, and then once he's done with his speech, everybody argues about what he just said. That, that's really a description of culture. Um, I read an article this week that said we really only hear about 20% of what is being said because we are running it through our filter, our opinions, our preferences, and our experiences. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with this one. When they start talking, I'm already getting my speech ready. I'm listening to their speech, I'm like, that's a great speech, but I got one, I'm ready. I don't even know what your speech was because I've got something I wanna say. You see, I've got a gift for you when you leave the service today. There's a card, and this card, maybe you wanna take one, it actually has a couple verses on it. The one we looked at a minute ago, words kill, words give life, poison or fruit you choose. It reminds me every day when I pull out my wallet and I exchange currency or buy something that the most valuable thing I have is words. On the other side, it has James 1.19. I need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry, and we switch that a lot. I, I'm quick to speak and slow to listen and quick to get angry. I need to work on that. I'm gonna ask you, maybe you need to take one. Maybe you need to put this on the dash of your car. When you're driving on I-30 this week, you just need to be, they can't even hear you, right? But you're just quick to speak. Maybe you need to put it on your computer monitor so that when they send that email, you're like, I know you just didn't see that. Oh, you think you can write an email? I can write an email. You, want, you, know, you just, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna let my words bring life. Maybe you need to take a screenshot of this and actually put it on the wallpaper of your Facebook page. 
I had a lady in the, in the 930 service, she said, I've already done that and I've got 30 likes. That was in like 10, 10 minutes, I guess. So maybe that's what you need to do. You know what, maybe you need to screenshot this and text it to your friends and say, can you just hold me accountable because this week's gonna be different. Everything I text, everything I tweet, everything I post, everything I say is gonna change. Now, we don't have one for everybody because the other services took more than one. Now, we're gonna start any gossip about that. We already talked about that. So, but if you need one, just, you just get one. I, I'm just gonna be real with you. I made this for me. This is what I'm gonna work on. I talk for a living. I wanna be a better listener. I wanna listen to my wife and kids and, and the people around me so I, my words can be more influential and powerful. So maybe that's your, gonna, gonna be your choice. But, but James does give us one other one and, and maybe if you're taking notes, write this down. Maybe this is your choice. Choose to please God with your words. Maybe that's gonna be your choice. You know what, today I'm gonna decide I'll please God with what I say. It makes sense to make the choice, doesn't it? We're gonna be accountable to him for the words. It would make sense that we would honor him with them. But I want you to see what James does here in James chapter three because he actually says, if we hurt people with words, we're actually insulting God himself. Look at verse nine. Sometimes our words praise God, our Lord and Father. Sometimes our words curse those who've been made in the image of God. Notice what else he says. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. What is he saying? He's saying, surely we can't come in as followers of Christ and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And then walk out in the parking lot and go through life this week and curse the things that God has made in his image, the people around us. You see, if I uh, made a painting I'm not a great artist, but if I spent a lot of time on it and several weeks and, and I had a piece of, of art and I showed it to a friend. And when I showed it to that friend, that friend looked at it and said, you have got to be kidding me. You think you're an artist? That is horrible. That is the worst painting I've ever seen in my life. You, you know, and just went on and on and on about this artwork. Is that gonna be my friend for long? No, now listen, you need to speak truth in love, all right? But if you are making fun of my painting, who are you making fun of? Me. Now think about this. When you talk to your kids this week, when you talk to your spouse, God made them in his image. And so when you say something that is demeaning or degrading or hurtful, you are truly hurting the heart of God who made them and they are a masterpiece and his design and will and purpose is for good. Now listen, that painting may have a lot of mud on it. It may need a lot of work, and need, need a lot, but still, it is a masterpiece. And James is saying, make the choice. I will please God. That's why we have to read the word every day. Get God's word, and that's why it, the Bible is called his word. That's why Jesus himself in John 1 is called the word. Because words are powerful, and we need his truth to change our relationships. I love this Psalm 19, 14. And I'm gonna put it up on the screen. This is a verse that I repeat before I get up and talk. Take it very, very seriously. I want you guys to read it with me, Lake Point. Let's say this together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What would happen if you prayed that prayer every day before you left the house? What would happen if you said, God, I want my words to please you. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart please you. What if you prayed that prayer every day before you interacted with your spouse, before you talked to your kids, before you said a word to your parents or texted or tweeted or blogged or posted? What would happen? I think if we made the decision, God, I wanna please you with my words, it would change 
everything because words are powerful, even the ones you don't think are a big deal. When I think about that, I think about uh, a story that involves your pastor, and, and I haven't told him the story until this weekend when I have the microphone and he doesn't. You see, four years ago, we were praying about moving to Austin. It's a big deal. It's a risk. There was a lot of things to worry about, be concerned about, and try to figure out. And I remember being on the phone with your pastor, and we were talking about strategy and, 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 and the difficult decisions that needed to be made, but I'll never forget what he said to me when he got off the phone, and I know he doesn't remember it because he has a lot of significant conversations, but I remembered it. Because he's a man of influence in my life, and he's one of the greatest pastors I've ever met. And he said to me, Micah, listen, if God's telling you to go to Austin, obey God. And then he said something right after that. He said, listen, I believe in you. And then we got off the phone. I know we had a lot of conversations even that day as those words were just said. And then he went on. But those words, they went into my heart. And I, I, I can't tell you how many days. Listen, being a church planner is hard and difficult. There's days that are long. There's nights that are sleepless. There's obstacles and, and difficulties. I can't tell you how many times. Yes, I was reading the Bible. Yes, I was praying. And yes, my wife's an encourager, but let me tell you how many times Steve Stroop's voice is in my head and in my heart. I believe in you. And as he said those words to me, they haven't gotten out of my heart that a man of his influence and his caliber and his leadership status would say, I believe in you as you go to Austin. And this is what I want you to make sure you track with me. Because he said those words, we started in Austin, in, a, in, a, in our living room, got to 16 people, 64, started in an elementary school, moved to middle school, and now we're at Bowie High School. And we just celebrated our third anniversary as a church. And Lake Point, are you ready for this? Real Life Austin has baptized over 300 adults who've come to faith in Jesus Christ and said, I believe the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and what I want to sink in today is, is that in large part, it's because of one conversation and one word. And Pastor Steve, thank you for being a rudder in my life. And if it can happen for us, it can happen for you. And I don't know what your application of this is, some of you need to make a phone call as soon as you leave here. Some of you need to write a note. Some of you need to make a phone call, make a post, or take some posts down. Some of you need to send a text or have a conversation. I love uh, this um, second grader handing me this after the Saturday night service, and, and it's a self-portrait of me. It's me, it's me. See the resemblance there? But, but her words on here, it says, thank you for teaching me. That was one of her applications. I'm just gonna write a note. Maybe you need to write a note, make a phone call, or just change some words, but I know some of you are saying, Mike, you don't understand. We are really in a, a bad place. <clears throat> Our relationships are in a vicious cycle. I don't know where to start or how to stop it. I heard about a vicious cycle recently. Um, an old man went to a track at a high school, and as he was jogging around that track, the high school football team was practicing in the middle of the field. And they were doing wind sprints, and this old man, he said, man, I, I was a long time since I could do that, but I'm gonna move slowly. I'm gonna jog around this track, and surely I can jog around the track as long as those kids can do wind sprints. So he started jogging around the track, and they kept doing wind sprints, and he kept jogging and jogging. He went further than he'd ever gone before. He was really impressed. Wow, these, 
This is a really athletic high school football team. They're more in shape than any kids I've ever even seen. He kept jogging. They kept doing wind sprints. He kept jogging, wind sprints. Jog. Finally, this old man, he just stopped. He was completely done, gone further than he'd ever gone jogging. And as he stopped on that track, all the football players collapsed on the field. <laughs> and one of those players just crawled over to that old man and said, sir, we're just so glad you stopped jogging because our coach said, if that old man can jog around the track, you guys, wind sprints. <laughs> vicious cycle. How do you stop a vicious cycle? Somebody's gotta stop, and that's you. You can't change them, but you can change you. I wanna stop. I wanna stop the vicious cycle. I wanna start using my words in in a way that would please God and be powerful in someone's life in in a good way. How do I do that? Jesus is so clear on this. I want you to see this verse on the screen. In Luke chapter six, Jesus said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And Lake Point, would you say this phrase, this underlined with me, let's say it together. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So don't miss this today. I've got a tube of toothpaste up here. Now if I squeeze this tube, what's gonna come out? (laughs) Toothpaste, some of you thought it was a trick question, like, hmm. (laughs) Whatever's on the inside is gonna come out. Jesus is saying whatever, listen, this is truth, it's hard truth, but it's true. When your life gets pressured up and somebody's emailing you or speaking to you in the wrong way, whatever is inside when that pressure comes, inside of your heart, that's what's gonna come out. That's why if you wanna change your words today because you wanna change your relationships, you need to change your heart. You said, Micah, how do I change my heart? That's it, I need a new heart. Well, I told you I would come back to how Jesus forgives and how you can change judgment into grace when he came, and Jared did such an amazing job talking about the cross last week, but let me just say this. Jesus died on a cross and rose again, and his crucifixion and resurrection is not just an historical event, it's a personal event, and right now, your relationships can change if you get a new heart. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but many of you know what soap tastes like. I'm gonna wash your man. I know what every brand of soap tastes like. Ivory, I mean, I, I do. I'm just gonna admit to you, it didn't work. Because I didn't need a new mouth, I needed a new heart. That only comes through Jesus, and that's why he came. And right now, where you are, you don't even have to bow your head or close your eyes. But if you need a new heart, so Mike, yeah, that's me, how do I do that? It's through communication, through words, just speak to him. Not even out loud, the power of God is he can hear the voices of your soul. And would you just whisper this? You say, yeah, I wanna change my relationships, change my words, I need a new heart. Just say this to him, Jesus, I need a new heart. He'll hear you. Just tell him, forgive me where I've messed up with words and forgive me for all of my sin. And listen, don't just claim forgiveness. God, I need a new direction. Jesus, would you guide and direct my life and guide and direct my words? And Would you change my relationships? As you just whisper that prayer, you may wanna come by the Connect Center or tell somebody uh, or email the church this week and just say, yes, I began that today. But this is what I want you to write down. If you want to change your words, you have to change your heart. And today, I pray that that is true for all of us as we seek God 
and his will and power to change our hearts and our relationships this week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and the power of it. And I pray that anyone who came into this room, even if they felt hopeless, no matter where their relationships are or have been, may we not leave this place with guilt because of what we've done in the past, but leave this place with grace because you took our judgment on the cross and therefore our hearts can change and we can be instruments of grace, even with our words. I pray that everyone here would know no matter where their relationships are, there is hope because of Jesus. So create in us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within us. And may our words, like a rudder, point people to you this week. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.